Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy, and today is just me going solo today. I want to talk about life as an empath. We're going to talk about what is life. We're going to talk about how do we assess our mental health and how do we assess ourselves fairly in a world full of stuff. At the end of the day, every once in a while, we got to take a break. We got to stop everything we're doing. We got to stop the presses and simply adjust where we think we're going and adjust who we think we are and to really just reevaluate ourselves in order to get back on track in our happiness and calm. So I'm calling this episode Empaths versus the World Mental Health and Life Self Assessment and keeping your humor and heart first. At the end of the day, life will chew you up and spit you out. There's all kinds of good people. There's all kinds of bad people. But what it boils down to is uh, what we choose to pay attention to and what we choose to do about it. So this whole episode is going to be all about just little ways that we can reassess and reevaluate our life in order to reclaim our purpose and happiness. At the end of the day, I'm not a perfect person. Rebecca is not a perfect person, but our intention always is to help and to be the best darn people we can be because you know what? We're getting too old to go backwards. We're getting too old to start playing mind games. We are people committed to the better mental health for empaths and for sensitives and for those struggling with mental health problems out there. Everybody has something going on with them. Everybody has a mental health imperfection. At the end of the day, it's about how you see yourself. If you like the work we're doing, please come on over and give us a tip or become a patron on Patreon at Chef Bright Comedy. That's Patreon forward slash Chef Bright Comedy and Linktree forward slash Chef Bright Comedy. This is a long one, so get a beverage, get comfortable, and let's begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell, Chef Bright Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be all about empath talk, mental health talk, and life talk. You know, because at the end of the day, what it boils down to is every once in a while, you got to check in on yourself. And also, as a podcast, I'm uh, going to check in with you guys as well. It's, it's, this is kind of um, like Rebecca and I do. We do our mental health checkups or mental health check-ins from time to time. That's what this is, except I want you guys to um, stop everything you're doing today and simply reflect on what you are doing. Think about life. Think about who you are. Think about who you want to be. And then if you need to write a list, that's cool too. But um, I really just want to talk about what is life? What is the essence of life? What is it that we really enjoy about life and the things we really don't enjoy? You know what I mean? Because I truly believe at the end of the day, you guys, that the only way you can really be happy in life is to reflect And once you truly reflect, you can then start to understand what you need and what you want and the things that you don't want to need. Because we have this tendency as we get older to start closing doors, if you will. We start closing doors on all the things we don't want in our life. And that's not because we're 
cynical or jaded necessarily. Sometimes we're jaded and cynical, but it's because at the end of the day, once you're 48 years old, like I am, you know what you like and you know what you don't like. You know who you like or what kind of people you like and what kind of people you don't like. And that's not to say that we shouldn't, you know, try to keep an open mind. There's going to be all kinds of people that are going to test our challenge lines. And at the end of the day, you know, we don't have to put up with people's shit. But um, but uh, just because somebody's different than us or if somebody just has different sensibilities than us, that doesn't necessarily mean they're our enemy. You know what I mean? Uh, this is a really good time of the year for me. You know, we're, we live here in Oregon and, uh, usually by now, uh, it's, it's rainy and it's gray and, uh, it's a beautiful 88 degrees today. And, uh, I'm just very thankful for the sun and the sunshine. And, uh, I just woke up feeling, uh, an immense sense of gratitude towards a lot of things. Um, it's funny, you know, I, I talked on the last episode about my friend, who, um, you know, his, his best pal passed away and, uh, he and I met at Lowe's and, uh, he's a really good guy. And, uh, he, he texted me right away. As soon as I woke up, he was there texting me and I was like, Oh, what's this? And, uh, basically he was telling me that he's going to be around today to talk to, you know, and, and that's the thing is, um, I'm very grateful to have the friends that I have here, even though we don't talk a lot, we don't, uh, get together a lot. It's not out of anything against them, but like Rebecca was saying on the last episode, um, or not the last episode, but the previous episode when we were talking about uh, life and friendships is that, you know, we absolutely adore our friends. The spirit of love is always there. And sometimes it can be so hurtful when you have certain people that don't understand how to be stable throughout time. You know, I've lost more friends than I can count on one hand simply because they've changed over the years. They, they assume that your absence is akin to malice. They assume that you don't love them or they assume that you've changed just because you take a certain direction with your life or you take a certain direction with your politics or you take a certain direction with your, um, your, how you change over time because you want to improve because you finally, finally, finally start sticking up for yourself in this life. You know what I mean? And uh, when I decided to start sticking up for my right to exist in this world, that is when everything changed for me, uh, both for good and for bad, because at the end of the day, it's when I started getting the uh, podcast going. It's when I started uh, understanding that this world is so very insecure of us when you're trying to do something with your life, something good, something bold, something special. And at the end of the day, um, I'm a shy, not shy, but I'm a very just introverted, quiet, peaceful man. You know, I grew up a very shy, quiet kid. And then I went through a stage where I became very funny and did a lot of jokes and a lot of impersonations and things. And then, um, and then we ended up moving and I, life got kind of serious again, but then I made some friends and, uh, I was able to sort of keep both sides intact, the, the deep side and the, uh, jovial, uh, jokey side. Um, but, it, but the point I'm making is that people, you know, tend to think when they don't have emotional intelligence that 
that you don't like them because you don't hang out with them all of the time. And it, it really it boils, boils down to is that I'm at the age where, you know, especially since COVID happened, I, I just don't go out and meet up with friends a lot. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't adore them, though. I absolutely love all of the friends that I have. My local friends here in Oregon, all of my friends down in California, all the friends that I grew up with in soccer and uh, in uh, high school, they, they mean a lot to me. But you reach the point in life where you realize that you have bigger fish to fry than to hang out and just drink beer all the time. You know, you get to a point where you want your life to mean something spiritual, something emotionally gratifying. You know, because at the end of the day, friendships are important in order to give our life meaning and purpose. We we absolutely depend on having people around us to sort of understand who we are by contrast. You know, we were talking on a previous episode simply about um, human beings have this tendency to uh, compare and contrast each other, uh, not necessarily in a judgmental way, although that is sometimes the case as well. But it really just boils down to um, you don't know who you are unless you uh, sort of compare yourself to those around you, you know. And that's not necessarily um, a bad thing. It just means that um, we get our identity by the contrast between ourselves and others' likes and dislikes and our different sensibilities. At the end of the day, um, you know, I've always, always been a very conscientious and kind person. I, I grew up a very shy sort of, uh, I was just a very shy, uh, awkward kid, you know, because I was a little empath in training. I didn't know that being an only child was different. I didn't know having an only a single mom was different. I didn't know that being lower middle class was a thing. I didn't know my station in life and how others would react to that over time. I just knew that I was this awkward child and I, I was always picking up on people's feelings. I could just feel things. I could feel people's intentions. I could feel people's uh, jealousies. I could feel people's animosities. And that's sort of how I slowly learned that I was a realized empath, you know. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's really what it boils down to is being an empath is um, not necessarily what you think it is. It, you know, people, you go out on social media and being an empath is, you know, means that you have to act a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You have to live up to all the lifestyle tropes of what being a sensitive is but at the end of the day i mean empaths are just as different as all christians or all atheists or all democrats or all republicans you know every individual is different uh and we should celebrate that you know but every so often i wake up and i just feel this sort of sensation of uh, it's not a negative feeling necessarily, but it, it's this kind of feeling of being beside yourself. You're awake, you're in your life, you're just doing your own thing, and then you kind of get this feeling like you're not quite in your own body. Like you're almost watching your life from a different perspective as if to say that 
you wake up feeling uh, beside yourself. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what it does is it gives you this moment to stop and clear your mind and, uh, and, and decide on a day-to-day basis who you want to be, you know, whether you want to be a kind person, whether you want to be an uptight person, whether you want to be a calm person, whether you want to be uh, an intellectual or uh, maybe more of a jock or whatever, you know, the point is, is that who we are is basically an accumulation of everything that makes up us. I mean, duh, right? <laughs> and that is just one way of saying that we're an accumulation of our experiences. We are an accumulation of our uh, angst, angst and fears. We are an accumulation of our uh, loves and joys and desires. And uh, we are an accumulation of the way that this world has treated us. And oftentimes when the world hasn't treated us very nicely, we have this tendency to feel rejected. We have this tendency to get upset or bitter. We have this tendency to oftentimes become downtrodden. Even our mannerisms and demeanor change. Um, I started a job when I was working out at the army post and I had people say things like, well, you don't seem like this or you don't seem like that, you know, as if to say that uh, I didn't have the acumen as a soldier or I didn't have the acumen as a chef or I didn't have the, um, the demeanor one would think of when you think of a chef or a soldier or, Uh, various things. And uh, I said, well, you have to understand that hardship is one of those things that defines us and you can let it change you or you can uh, uh, allow it to better you, if you know what I mean. We've done many episodes on turning your bad circumstances uh, into uh, a learnable, teachable lesson, that you turn your sour grapes into a fine wine, so to speak. Because I think a lot of people, they become the accumulation of their hardships, and it makes them crusty, and it makes them bitter, and it makes them angry, and it makes them sometimes act superior when they get tired of the world the way it is. You know, people put up their walls, and uh, oftentimes, like I said on the uh, a couple episodes ago, is that we become sort of an accumulation of chaos, an accumulation of energies and experiences that uh, sometimes is for the better and oftentimes is not because what it does is we end up putting up all these barriers and walls to the outside world. We put up these airs, if you will. We put up airs of things that we're insecure about. So if we're insecure about people thinking we're not smart, we put on all these airs to make people think we're more intelligent. If we're fearful or worried or have anxiety issues, we may uh, overcompensate by acting overly aggressive or overly uh, brave, if you will. We, 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 we become overly assertive so that we uh, think we're tricking people into uh, knowing the inner vulnerabilities in us, you know. You know, and that's the thing about being an empath, you guys, is that um, it's it's not about the way you look or the way you talk. It's about what's on the inside, how your body receives information. You know, I grew up, like I said, a very pensive and very uh, warm and kind and conscientious young man. 
Um, but I was not raised uh, with a lot of extra, you know, in other words, I, I, I had a lot of hardships growing up, but I wasn't aware of those hardships because I had a mother that was so good to me. And I had two grandparents that really, um, you know, filled my world with the daily bread of normalcy and routine, you know, but we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so there were many times where my mom and I moved out of my parent, my grandparents' house and uh, lived in cheap apartments or mobile homes and such. Uh, there's been many times where, you know, I, I ended up uh, losing uh, my um, soccer team because one day after seven years, uh, the soccer coach, you know, didn't want me on a team anymore. He didn't put me on the roster. And I, I don't know why I didn't come to him. I guess I was just embarrassed, but um I guess I was worried that I would I would realize that they didn't like me anymore or something. But, you know, I assumed it was because uh, his son and some of his friends uh, were, you know, talking bad about me behind my back. And, and, and basically that was because, you know, I, I lived uh, at my grandparents' house in a makeshift bedroom in the garage. And I really do feel like people made fun of me because of that, you know. And also because um, I was a sh very shy, uh, sensitive child. And I think people could see that. Um, when you're not raised around a lot of other kids, you don't become like other kids. You don't have the crazy run around like a banshee uh, <laughs> personality like a lot of kids do. You just you become this very quiet and uh, observant child. And I, I had a lot of adult mannerisms uh, because that's who I spent most of my time around, you know. And so you you develop all these ways to cope with your life. I developed a sense of humor. I was a little comedian, you know, a little comedian in training. Uh, once I came out of my shell a little bit in my sort of preteen years, that's when I started dressing in kind of um, flashy, you know, bright clothing. It, it was the 80s, you know, and I... I, I dressed up in um, bright, flashy shoes, you know, like vans of all different styles. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, I be I was just a very good kid. I was like one of the, I was like a Bobby Hill, you know. But but I also had a little bit of athleticism too because I was in soccer and judo and karate. And uh, I never did go out for football. Uh, I did go out for baseball one year, but I ended up quitting because. Um, it just wasn't didn't feel right for me. I was um, I was very intimidated. I've talked about this on other episodes. There was a guy because we were this was in junior high, and there was a guy in high school that had a beard who was our who was a catcher for the other team. And I just remember feeling so put off by that. Like, ugh, I'm like playing with men. <laughs> That's what it felt like at the time. But uh, uh, it just wasn't for me. But um, soccer was uh, one of my big big sports, and you know, karate and judo and uh skateboarding frankly it was the 80s in california you know and i was a soccer goalie after my third year in soccer i trained as a goalie and i became a very good goalie and that really taught me for the first time that just because you're born a certain way doesn't mean that uh you can't also learn uh inner toughness you know i learned you know i'd go for the ball and Kids would be kicking me, and uh, I got kicked in the face. I got kicked everywhere. 
you'd go for the ball and you'd be on the ground and people would be kicking you straight in the face. And uh, you just learn toughness uh, through skateboarding and through uh, games like soccer and football. You know, I just read a thing that, uh, you know, Chris Pratt said that his training in uh, wrestling is what made him the, the strong man he is today. And uh, that's the thing with me is that, yeah, even though I'm a very, I started off a very sensitive and um, fragile and vulnerable young child, um, I quickly grew into a strong, uh, functional adult because uh, we had moved and I started weight training and I started getting uh, muscular. And uh, that was the funny thing is that I was never the kind of person to energetically wear my uh, defeat to wear my hardships on my sleeve. I was always a child of conscience. I always had a really good heart and I always wore that on my sleeve. And so as a result of that, you would get fucked with, with people who were energetic vampires, these sociopaths and predators that roam the halls that are just looking for any weak link that they can mess with. And, uh, you know, after a while I learned that, um, the way you carry yourself is the way others are going to in turn treat you. And so once you learn the discipline of inner toughness, whether that's through sports or whether that's through academics or whether that's simply through self-esteem, uh, at the end of the day, you start to realize that you can change your energy to suit the mood. You can uh, suck your energy in. You can uh, then uh, put your energy outward uh, depending on the situation for the shy kids that don't want a lot of attention. They, they bring their energy in real tight, real close to their chest. So others don't notice they, they're energy chameleons. They don't want a lot of attention. I would say that's shy people, introverts, uh, people uh, who are perhaps grew up different than the other kids, whether through, because they're, you know, maybe they were poor, maybe they uh, grew up in a different religion or ethnicity. But at the end of the day, when you don't feel like the others, uh, you you either embrace it or or it really does a number to your self-esteem, you know. And so over time, you just develop an inner thickness to your skin. You oh, You just realize that people out there can be awful. That's the life lesson, you know. Uh, I was talking to my cousin years ago and he's like, there were no bullies at my high school. Everybody got along fantastic. I'm like, really? That was not my experience at all. You know, we had to deal with kids tr throwing us in trash cans, kids tripping us in the halls. It was awful. And uh, if, if, if kids nowadays have kinder, gentler sensibilities, Hey, I'm all for it. But uh, my point simply is, is that, whether it's in school or whether it's in college or whether it's in uh, your job or just out there in the world, one day we are going to run into people that are just awful to us that we don't really deserve it. You know, I've told you guys about a number of mishaps with people on Facebook and social media, and you have these falling outs with uh, either Facebook friends or acquaintances in real life. And uh, what it boils down to is people change over time, and I just never really wanted to change. I always knew who I was at the core of who I was. 
And that's why I always say that I'm sort of a Boy Scout slash soldier is that I stand up for what's right and wrong. And I, you know, I was talking the other day on a, the previous episode about how people uh, have become very self-centric, very self-centered in a lot of ways. And um, I don't think it's making our society better on the whole, you know. Occasionally I'll talk about, you know, the only fans and all these women that are looking for attention. There's a lot of attention seekers out there. I call them attention whores. They're just people that just, it seems like everybody's looking to cut corners. Every Nobody wants to pay their dues. Nobody wants to do things the traditional old-fashioned way. Everybody's looking for an angle. And while <laughs> I'm doing that now, finally with my life, I do feel like you can't build character if you haven't first walked a mile in other people's shoes or at least walked in the traditional sense that you've gotten a real job you've worked a real job you've punched a time clock you've had a real boss you have to do that for a while before you can really understand how to navigate this world you know and i don't say that to poo poo people doing things their own way oh no no i want people to do things their own way. If they've got things figured out for themselves and it's working for them, hey, more power to them. But I just think that when you're more willing to show off your nudity than to get a real job, it's like, I don't know. It, it feels to me like a feeble attempt to uh, escape your responsibilities and duties as a citizen. And, and, and this world, though, you know, it's not because I'm a prude, because I have no problem with people doing those sorts of things. But what it boils down to is, whatever happened to people doing things the right way? Whatever happened to people doing things the hard way? Whatever happened to people walking the mile instead of trying to cut corners on everything? I mean, at the end of the day, what it boils down to is it builds character. And um, But with that being said, our economy is in this weird state right now where I can't say that going and working at Taco Bell or going and working at uh, Home Depot is the way to go either because I do believe these corporations are inherently exploitative. But then when I see my experience with all the retail, with all the cooking jobs, with all the various things that I've done in my life, I can look back at a lifetime of experiences and people that helped forge my strength encourage you know and i look at rebecca she works with some terrific people and while you may take issue with corporatism or elitism or corporate style jobs hey i don't blame you i do feel like there are a lot of exploitative go nowhere situations out there and if you're looking for something better than that then I say go for it, but you have to know yourself. You have to know how to market yourself. And you also have to know how to get through this life in order to improve, you know? And what I mean by that is, um, you know, when you have 18 to 24-year-old girls going on 4chan or going on OnlyFans to show off their, their goodies, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> It just feels wrong to me. And it's not because I'm some prude. No, I have no problem with nudity in its natural form. Um, but but uh, energy is intention, you guys. And some people just, I don't know, man, 
don't seem to have a pure and clean heart, you know? And that's what I meant about uh, the way life shapes and molds you. If you were raised with parents with drug problems or you were raised with parents that were abusive or neglectful in some way, uh, it's going to affect you in some way, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. But whatever you become, it's going to be uh, at some point you're going to have to make a decision to become better than you were raised or you're going to have to make a decision uh, that, you know, because I don't think a lot of people really know how to make themselves better when they grew up in poor circumstances. And so I think a lot of people nowadays um, aren't raised with the moral or ethical convictions that I remember growing up with. And um, it's not to say there aren't still a lot of good moral, ethical people out there. That's not my way of trying to be a prude or anything. I have no problem with rated R movies. I have no problem with a little bit of nudity uh, when it's natural and empowering etc but at the end of the day it just feels like everyone's looking for a escape route everyone's looking for a shortcut you know and so i worry about the generations coming up who only know bad jobs and bad pay only know how to uh, dodge the system rather than try to fit in it you know and you know as a 48 year old who spent 25 years out there in that system, I can tell you that the pitfalls and the um, <laughs> the dysfunctionality of that system out there is real. It's palpable. But that doesn't mean that we should just not pay our dues. You know, I really do feel like you got to start somewhere and you got to work at jobs and life for a while in college so that you can build character, so you can understand how the world works. And so when I see 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are already millionaires because they got on some hit TV show or the Justin Biebers of the world who have no musical abilities but are out there because they're okay singers and they use auto-tune for everything, I'm just like, I don't know, man. For me, it feels like a shortcut, like they didn't pay their dues. But that's not to be judgmental. That's not to be uh, hateful. We we have to... uh, energetically uh, be joyful and kind in, in this world. We need to create a better world, and we don't do that by being judgmental or hateful. So it's not about being judgmental. It's just saying that in this world, you know, if you want dividends to pay out, you have to put something in. You know, Rebecca and I were talking the other day about content creators. You know, I'm a content creator, There's a lot of YouTubers out there, and I am all for that. I am all for people for the free expression of creation. When you create intellectual property, it is yours, and it is only yours, and it is unique. It has your unique signature on it that is you, you know. It's got your essence all over it. So I'm for that. But I guess I'm just worried that we're becoming a society that nobody wants to do the hard stuff. Nobody wants a regular job. Nobody wants to um, go to college and go to school and and get through all that. And, you know, I'm generalizing. There's a lot of people who still are, but there's a whole lot of people out there. It just feels like as soon as they got out of high school, they just decided to show off their, their naked parts. Or as soon as they got out of high school, they just have kids without 
going out and learning a, a skill first, you know. You know, I will admit as an empath, it, it, it was very hard growing up uh, in the 80s. But what I learned was inner toughness, that when I applied myself and when I took agency over my body and mind, that uh, I was a lot stronger than I realized, you know. And so that's what I want our younger kids to learn. I want these kids to learn right from wrong. I want these kids to learn character and have values and have a moral center. Anyways, enough about that. I am not trying to harp on our society. I am simply trying to say that at the end of the day, our society can't get better if the quality of people doesn't get better. Garbage in, garbage out. And if we're creating a society where everybody's trying to dodge the system, it means that we're not going to have any institutions in our system that are legit, that are genuine, that we can rely on and depend on. We have to create systems that we ourselves as people, as the people, can get behind and really say, yes, these are good institutions. But unfortunately, we live in a world now that's taken over by corporations. And so I really don't know what to tell you. It doesn't mean that all corporations are evil. You can get a job as a cable repairman at Xfinity. You can get a job working at Walmart for a time. Hell, I've done it. Rebecca does it. She works at a corporate store right now. Uh, Thankfully, because she works with people with character and integrity, uh, it's worked out in her favor that she has a lot of people that she, that help each other and help each other feel special and important. And and that's the thing is, you know, if you have strong uh, beliefs against certain types of jobs, you don't necessarily have to go into them, but you have to do something to pay your dues in this world. You can't just, you know, think that you're going to become a famous YouTuber because, you know, hey, some people do that and they get they get lucky. And there's a lot of kids nowadays that get lucky. But I don't know, man. I just don't know whether or not that's how you start your life out at. You know, I, I'm at the age where I've done all this other stuff. And that's why I wanted to share my experience and wisdom with the younger coming up generation so that you guys understand that um, you have to build character. And you can't do that in any kind of way where you take a bunch of shortcuts, you know, but. That being said, being a sensitive, being an empath is hard because it means that we feel energy all around us. And a lot of it is negative. A lot of it is hostile or aggressive. And a lot of it makes us feel like we aren't loved or wanted in this world. And frankly, it's starting to feel like a lot of people in this world have become pretty selfish, like I was saying. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you always, you got to wake up with this sense of appreciation. You have to whittle life down into its most simple elements. You know, for me, the, the best way to keep yourself as an empath or as a sensitive or as anyone really uh, intact and happy is to... you. There's a few things you got to do. The first thing I would recommend to anybody, especially if you're an empath, especially if you're having mental health problems, is fitness, exercise. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go crazy like all these Instagrammers do uh, filming yourself. Now, if that's a motivational tool and that helps you get through, hey, more power to you. Um, When I talk about Instagrammers, these fitness 
gurus that are going crazy and showing off their body parts and junk. Um, I just find it to be a little bit, I don't know. It, it just, social media is becoming, uh, <clears throat> it's got a mind of its own and it's just becoming a little weird to me uh, that people, total strangers would be showing themselves off to other total strangers. I just, I don't know. It just seems a little off to me, but if, if, if you're like me, like I run on the treadmill and when I finish a run, I post it to my Instagram. I don't post a picture of myself. I don't post how buff my calves are. I just show you that I went for a run and it helps me stay on task. Now, for, for those reasons, I think there's nothing wrong with social media if it's helping you to stay encouraged in what you're doing. But please try to avoid those pitfalls out there of everybody trying to outdo each other. There's this... Uh, Everyone's trying to be perfect. Everybody's trying to be buffer. Everybody's trying to be better. Everybody's trying to be bigger and stronger and better looking. And it's just like, oh, God, please spare me, will you? But if if fitness is something that you like and it's something that helps you get through, I really do encourage people to do it because you cannot keep your chemicals in balance without a little bit of cardio and a little bit of strength training. But um, but it doesn't have to be nearly as much as you think. Um, 30 minutes, three, four times a week would be pretty good. Uh, an hour, three, four times a week would be better. Um, but uh, you don't have to train six, seven days a week unless you're young and you really want to do it. But um, at the end of the day, who, who, who's got the time, you know? But I really do think fitness is where it's at to get your mental health and to get your... Um, Self-esteem and check, that's really the first place, is that where the body goes, the mind will follow. Number two, this is pretty obvious, but think the right thoughts. We all get intruding thoughts of doom and gloom. We all get impending thoughts of worry. We all think negative things. We all get worried. We all get vulnerable. We all feel attacked. We all get anxious. We all get angry and frustrated from time to time. Um, that is a just a fact of life. It's never going to go away, but we can mitigate it by how we decide to let the external world affect us. And we've talked about this many times. At the end of the day, I mean, what it boils down to is just because the world is out there doing it, that, that all this craziness doesn't mean that you have to get involved in it. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to let it affect you. Do I get upset when my political rivals are doing crazy extreme things. Yes, but I'm not going to let it affect my mental health. You know, do I get discouraged by the job numbers and the quality of jobs and the quality of pay these days? Absolutely. It, it upsets me sometimes, but you cannot live your life in a constant state of frustration over the way the world ought to be, you know, cause I've tried that. I've tried to do that where you're just in a constant state of being reactionary. You're in a constant state of reacting to the injustice and the inequality in this world. And that's a lot of people think that's activism, but that's not necessarily activism. Activism is taking your outrage and turning it into actions that help better the world. Not necessarily just reacting to it and, and making it mess up your physical or emotional health. So thinking the right thoughts, you know, there is no one solution for it, but I, I really do feel like it's about appreciation. Show more gratitude than attitude. If you uh, are the quick to 
up, get upset. Learn what triggers you and learn how to not react to those things, but be responsible for it. In a previous episode, we were talking about Sad Guru, how he says the, the external world is something that we cannot control. We can only respond to it. You can either react to it or you can be responsible for it. And so what he's saying is, is that instead of internalizing it as stress, as fear, as anger, as a constant um, frustration, learn how to process these things in such a way where you take responsible action that can actually bring about a better outcome. As cheesy as that sounds, that really is what it's about, is just taking, because we're never going to be completely immune to getting frustrated or angry, our inner emotions, we get hurt, we get tired of things, we get frustrated, we get bitter, that is natural. But how we learn to process all that is how we become a better person. Not just a better person, but we become a stronger person when we learn how to take in new information without it upsetting our entire world. And that's what I meant earlier when I was talking about how some people were like, well, you don't act like a soldier. Well, you don't act like a chef. Well, what it boils down to is I never let my job define me. I act the way I act based on my morals and convictions and my experience and who I want to be, not based on all the times my ass got kicked by life, you know? <laughs> so it gets really easy when you've been hurt a lot to become just permanently angry, permanently unimpressed, permanently jaded. And while I sometimes have a jaded disposition, a gruff exterior, if you will. Uh, I also have a side that uh, is always trying to make friends with people, always trying to put my best foot forward and always trying to be kind, decent and sensitive. And if I'm put in a situation where people aren't acting right, well, instead of getting upset at them and punching their lights out, uh, you know, you learn to turn the other cheek because assholes and idiots and morons and creeps are always going to exist out there, you guys. So at the end of the day, um, we can be upset that they exist or we can uh, just realize that there are billions of people on this planet that exist. Uh, but take, I don't know, comfort in knowing that most people are trying to be decent people. Most people are not sociopaths and predators. In fact, I, 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 uh, <laughs> the other day I Googled something and it was pretty funny. Anyways, I had asked Google, uh, what percentage of people in America are serial killers? And the response I got was, uh, it was less than 0.0005%, which means that less than half a percent of the population are actually murderers. So that's good. <laughs> I was watching this thing on YouTube about this lady who, uh, She's admittedly a uh, psychopath, but she's not a killer or anything, but she admits that she has psychopathy, that she is a sociopath. And she was just kind of a brash woman. She was very upfront about her intelligence and how, you know, she, you know, she, she borrowed some bicycles of her neighbors without asking for several hours and, because they didn't use them a lot. She just thought that, well, I can just go ahead and take them. In other words, some sociopaths and predators, uh, predator, excuse me, some sociopaths and uh, psychopaths 
aren't necessarily violent. Uh, sometimes they just don't always understand social norms or they don't really care to adhere to social norms because they have their own way of doing things. Um, intelligent psychopaths can get a rein on their themselves in a way where they don't end up becoming uh, criminals in society. That being said, they aren't necessarily the most likable bunch. Sometimes they become just assholes. They just become indifferent to other people's pain and suffering, you know. But the point I'm making is that the vast majority of people in this world are not psychopaths, are not sociopaths, and are not serial killers. So take a load off knowing that. <laughs> the point is, is that it's easy to look out into this world and see uh, a, a river of despair, to see uh, a tide rising of negativity, bad things. We see climate change. We see uh, every year forest fires in the summer getting worse. We see all these things. And it's easy to get discouraged and it's easy to put up walls to close yourself off from that world. And while I don't think there's anything unhealthy about blocking and filtering from time to time, especially as a sensitive, um, at the end of the day, you don't want to live this life in constant uh, hate mode and in, in constant fear that everyone out there is terrible. You know, I don't believe that's the truth. So when I say that you need to uh, think the right thoughts, there's a lot that goes involved that that is involved with that. Thinking the right thoughts is about how you think about yourself. So you want to give yourself enough credit to have self-esteem, you know. So that means if you have a self-depacing personality or low self-esteem, or uh, uh, maybe you you have a little bit of just um, you know, you have a problem of feeling good about yourself, you're going to have to find ways to better that. Thinking the right thoughts is also about getting your addictions and libations under control. So that's not to say that, um, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, some people can drink a little and smoke a little pot their whole life and be fine. Whereas some people might have addict addictive personalities and have to quit everything cold turkey. But at the end of the day, what it boils down to is if you're ever in a situation where something, some substance is um, the, the, at the forefront of your mind and thinking that maybe it's time to adjust that a little bit. And it, you may one day find that uh, drinking is not for you. You know, I ended up drinking myself half to death after culinary school uh, because my grandmother had passed away. I was very upset about it. And I just drank like a fish in those days. And uh, I look back on it and I'm like, I don't even know how I did it because I don't feel that way anymore. What I did is I ended up quitting drinking by the time I was 28 years old. And um, I stayed quit until about... Oh, I'd say 2010 or so, I slowly started reintroducing myself to social drinking. Um, and today, I'm the kind of person that has a beer now and again. Um, but one or two or three beers is all I need now. I, I'm a lightweight, and I'm proud of that. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, um, knowing yourself and your addictive compunctions is uh, important because you got to get them under control to truly have mastery over yourself. And I'm not saying that it's always going to be easy, but at the end of the day, uh, I think 
what worked for me is is replacing some uh, libation. That's what I call it, libations. I could be drinking drugs. It could be anything. But your libations, um, when they get the better of you, uh, you have to replace it with something healthy. You can't just excise it from your life without actually putting something in its place. Because imagine if you spent all day, every day smoking pot, for example. Well, if you spent seven, eight hours a day hitting on a joint or a blunt or a pipe <laughs> and you wanted to quit smoking pot, you couldn't just set it down and have nothing in its place. In other words, you want to put something positive in its place. Uh, for me, it was exercise. I started running on the treadmill. When I quit drinking and smoking cigarettes, I just started running and drinking coffee. Th those were the two things that kept me just on course for those first couple years. Because as soon as you do it for a few months, you, you have it down and uh, you can definitely relapse though in that first year. But once you've done it for a few years uh, where you haven't drinking anything, um, you pretty much have it licked. And then slowly over time, uh, physio physiology takes over and that addictive personality that you once had uh, sort of starts fading away. And as you become a more mature adult, you have better mastery over those cravings. You know, and I, I, you know, Rebecca and I have talked about this. I used to have a little bit of an addictive personality. To this day, I still have to watch myself, but it's not as bad as some people. You know, uh, I'm not the kind of person to get trashed on alcohol. I am not the kind of person to take pop pills all the time. I am not the kind of person to um, use street drugs and things like that. But um, but knowing that once upon a time in my youth, I had no control over my alcohol consumption means that at, on some level, there's some part of me that is trying to escape, you know. And that's the problem with being an empath is a lot of empaths, a lot of sensitives have drug and alcohol problems. And so it, because they're trying to numb their senses. But I'm at a point today where I'm very happy with my life. I'm happy with uh, the fact that I can drink alcohol on occasion in small doses. I had two beers last night, felt great, went to sleep, slept like a baby. And uh, that was that, you know. You know, I remember when I was going to enter into the firefighter academy and I had a fellow firefighter over and uh, he was very clean cut, nice young man. He was younger than me. I was at the time, I think, uh, 36 or so, and he was probably 23 or so. And uh, I I had hurt myself, and I had gotten a prescription for Vicodin, and I left it on my table there, and I went into the other room. When I came back, I saw him trying to steal my pills, and I was, like, blown away. And so instead of getting mad at him and punching him in the face or something, I just said, hey, I, I I see what you're trying to do there. Uh, if you wanted a pill, you could have just simply asked, you know. <laughs> uh, and he apologized and he said, I'm sorry, I, I have an addiction to opioids and uh, I haven't taken them in a long time, but I saw the bottle sitting there and I couldn't help myself. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, and I, I thanked him and we, we talked and we shook hands. And uh, frankly, I was like, we're done. We're done here. Um, uh, somebody like that, that you don't know well, that you invite into your home, who's willing to 
sacrifice the friendship for a pill. Yeah, you don't need those kind of people in your life. And um, and I told him, I said, <clears throat> I'm probably going to not call you or talk to you anymore, but I want you to know that I care about you. I, I, I am not insulted by what happened, but I frankly can't trust you to be in my life. No hard feelings. I want you to get this under control and I want you to learn from this lesson, and I want you to later reflect on it and realize that I don't hate you, that I'm simply removing you from my life because you could be a potential danger, because I don't know you and what you're capable of. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know, he was very kind of mopey about it, but um, he understood. And um, uh, if I had to guess, he's probably a firefighter doing really well today. He, he was a good kid otherwise. So the bottom line is, is get your libations under control and get your thinking right. Get the self-hatred out of your heart. Just because you're not as fit as other people, just because you may not be as intellectual, let's say, as other people, just because you've got more to learn and more to grow in your life does not mean that you are a lost cause. We are all, you guys, a work in progress. And, uh, you know, at the risk of sounding like a goody two-shoe, I am not saying that you have to live the straight and narrow life all the time. What I'm saying is, if you want energetic mastery over your life, you have to have energetic mastery over yourself, over your addictions, over all of your compunctions. And at the end of the day, when you have total mastery over your mind, body, and spirit, only then can you grow as a spiritual being or an energetic being. Rebecca and I were talking on the previous episode about how extroverts go out to millions of concerts and shows. We have these friends from California. Man, they're going to shows all the time and going to concerts and doing this and doing that, and it's nonstop. And uh, we thought, geez, that sounds not only exhausting, but it also sounds like it would deplete my sense of center. You know, uh, Rebecca and I, in order to recharge, have to have some alone time. And um, But for extroverts, they're the opposite. They get their identity and their energy out of relationships. And so uh, we are not judging them. Uh, we, we love these people. They're good people. We're just thinking, good grief, how can you um, learn and grow uh, if you're not ever in reflective mode? Uh, there's two modes, reflection and expression and if you're always in expression mode it means that you're always doing things always going places always talking but you're never you're not taking in new information necessarily and so we do feel like in order to be happy you have to balance that reflection time that time where you're quiet taking in new information learning centering etc and then the times when you're out there extroverting so to speak but that leads me to uh, the other thing, to have good uh, mastery over yourself. You have to stop being so judgmental of others. Now, I'll be the first to admit that we trash talk on occasion for therapeutic reasons. Life is frustrating. People can be crazy out there. So talking a little shit, hey, so be it. If it hurts your people's feelings or, or they're judging you for it, oh, well, but at the end of the day, we're only human, and so um, it would be uh, it would be a lost cause to say that we don't occasionally want to vent. 
we want to occasionally get stuff off our chest about others. I think in within reason, that's healthy. That being said, we don't want to be constantly trash talking others because, you know, like when I was in culinary school, I lived with these two trashy people and all day, every day, all they did when I would leave for school is talk ill about me. And I finally, I overheard him once and I said, you know, maybe if you spend a little more time on yourself and a little less time on me, you could actually get a job, Mike. It was this guy who was chronically unemployed, you know. So what it boils down to is that some people can't seem to ever let go of what they think others are doing wrong. They're always criticizing others. They're always trash talking others. And they're always in a constant state of, I'm perfect and everybody else is flawed. And yet he was habitually unemployed. They were both drug addicts. I didn't know that till much later and I ended up moving out. But in the, in the moment, I told them, I'm at school all day. I pay rent. I come home. I'm quiet. I go to sleep. I do my homework. And that's all I do. And you have the audacity to tell me that I'm somehow a problem here. One time I overheard him talking about how uh, I was clogging up the shower because of my hair in the shower. And this is coming from a, two long-haired people and two dogs. I'm like, I have like a crew cut practically. I had short hair at the time. And you're going to blame the shower clogging when you've got two dogs, two long-haired animals, and you both have long hair and you, you're going to blame me? ridiculous you know what i mean some people are just in a constant state of passing the buck onto others they can never admit their own responsibility they can never admit their own wrongdoing and those are the kind of people you have to avoid in this world people like trump constantly passing the buck onto everyone but themselves and just like those silly girls that we were talking about in episode one and episode two season four when we had a falling out with a handful of these girls all they do is they get home from work and instead of spending quality time with their kids or quality time with their family, they're shit talking on Facebook. Who in the fuck does that? So we have to watch for people that don't know how to human, who don't have the right priorities. There's just going to be people in this world who are shit talkers, who crave drama who crave airing out dirty laundry. And for those kind of people, you want to avoid like the plague. Believe me, they are no good. So when we're trying to think the right thoughts, we have to um, sometimes remove certain people from our life or set certain boundaries. I was telling you about my friend who texted me this morning and, uh, you know, I care deeply about my friend's and, and just because I'm an introvert and we're living in sort of COVIDville nowadays, we've all sort of gotten out of the habit of going to the movie theaters. We've gotten out of the habit of going out in public as much. And, uh, you know, frankly, that works for me because I was this way before the pandemic hit. <laughs> but but it, sometimes I want to reach out to them to say, hey, I still care about you. I care about our friendship and that I think about you in spirit all of the time. And um, some people just, if you don't talk to them enough or you don't share your feelings with them enough, they'll turn on you. So you have to be careful with certain friendships. You think they're solid, but 
sometimes friendships are only as solid as the, the solvency of their thinking. And what I mean by that is if they're not stable-minded, if they're going through a lot of turmoil and tumult and ups and downs emotionally, they may turn on you because now they see you as a threat, even though you've done nothing to harm them. So at the end of the day, you got to be careful with all people because mental defect is inevitable in all people. You don't know which ones are going to be solvent and stable in the long haul. A good, for instance, is um, my mother, my mom's best friend of 40-something years, uh, just stopped calling her. No reason. She didn't say anything wrong. She didn't do anything. And um, we're worried about him because we have a feeling that when he does that, it means that he uh, has relapsed because he used to partake in drug use. And we're not sure of what's going on. We, we have no proof of it, but we have a feeling that he's relapsed and he, he won't accept her phone calls. And um, it's just a terrible thing because this is my mother's best, best friend. And so what we're finding in life is that sometimes the friends that we choose, we don't always have control over who they're going to become later on in life. And while I've told you on previous episodes that we should accept each other's differences, we all grow up. We all get different. We all change. Sometimes we get fatter. Sometimes we get, you know, different. We change. (laughs) That's what age does to people, you know. But we should be accepting of those changes so long as the core of who that person is is still there. The only time that you have to put up boundaries or uh, remove certain people from your life is if they've somehow changed in such a way where you can no longer depend on them being a good person. That's when it becomes problematic. And so when it comes to thinking the right thoughts, it's, 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 a, it's different for everybody. Everybody's going through a lot. And um How you react to the world around you, how you react to people around you, how you are feeling emotionally about yourself and others, how you feel about capitalism and corporatism, how you feel about uh, injustice and inequality, wealth inequality, racial inequality, all these things uh, tend to make us different depending on what's important to us. And so it can get really easy to become radicalized by a movement. You see it on the extreme right and left. You know, when I call out woke people, I'm not saying that wokeness shouldn't be a good thing. Being woke means that you're woke and you're up to date on what's right in society. But if you take it too far, you become hateful of the very people who are on your side. And so when we don't allow ourselves to be different, when we don't allow each other to express ourselves in different ways, we become intolerant. And when we become intolerant of others, we aren't being very woke, are we? We're being, you know, kind of regressive. Anyways, the reason why I'm doing this whole episode is is to say that sometimes in order to be happy, we have to wake up with a sense of gratitude of our life, of just the very air that we're breathing, that sometimes happiness isn't uh, something that we achieve. It's not a destiny. 
It's a state of mind. You know, when I was younger, I was always letting everything get to me. As an empath, I was always letting everything get to me. And over time, I've had to learn to uh, grow a thicker skin, frankly. You have to learn how to filter and block out that which isn't good for you. But it's easy in a world full of people to assume that all people are selfish, that all people are terrible, and all people, you have to watch out for people. They're dangerous. They're going to get you. And that is true as a general rule. But um, I'm here to tell you that there are good people trying every single day. It's just that we're living in a world full of agendas. We're living in a world full of, you know, systems that aren't always so uh, puritanical, we'll say. (laughs) And I think that's where a lot of us get into spirituality and religion is we're trying to look for some great equalizer, something to bring justice into a world that is just so inherently not fair. You know, we're looking for something to smite the bad people, somebody to correct the wrongs in a world that's going crazy, you know, and it's easy to think that everything is going off the rails, but I'm here to tell you that for as crazy as it all is out there, um, man, it functions pretty good, all things considered, if you think about it. So the last bit of advice I would give you before we leave is um, if you want to be happier, you have to learn how to uh, reset restart hit the reset button as often as you need to in other words train your mind and body and soul and your emotions to find center to find peace to find calm and to find love and joy it's not easy always because we're so ruled by our thoughts we're so ruled by our insecurities or we're so ruled by our fixations on what everyone else out there is doing but i assure you that when you get yourself in check you learn peace of mind and with that peace of mind you find calm you find relaxation you find forgiveness in those who have wronged you and frankly you find a sense of humor about life you know The thing is, is that we are all biological beings who will one day perish. We will all one day expire. And life, because we are creatures that are born, we live, and then we die, that very nature of life is what makes it so anxiety-inducing, right? (laughs) And so with that comes a lot of... um, feelings of inadequacy, a lot of feelings of feeling overwhelmed by the bigness of the world, so um, spiteful and scornful of all those who we disagree with or all those who we, uh, whether real or imagined, uh, all those who have slighted us, all those who have wronged us, you know. And the truth is, is I've been hurt many times, you guys. I've been hurt by women who have wronged me, you know, women who broke up with me without any prior notice, you know, just one day, you know, we moved back from Salt Lake City and I get a phone call from an ex-girlfriend. Oh, I'm breaking up with you. She left a message drunk in a bar that that's, that's, that was her way of breaking up with me, a two year relationship who we were living boyfriend and girlfriend in a different state. 
that was the the the, the kind uh, decent way she thought the best way was to break up with somebody that she cared about. Now I could have been bitter about it. I could have been angry. And at the time I really was, you know, um, but we, uh, we fought like cats and dogs for a little bit over the phone. I had to get some of my things from her. I had to give her some of the things that I had of hers. Um, but over time we, uh, developed a, a friendship and appreciation. And there was a couple times where we even got to back together for a couple, you know, for old time's sake, we got back together, we'll say. <laughs> and then uh, the next day we felt like, you know, we were incompatible, but we did leave the relationship am- amicably. I think of all the people in this world who have wronged me, all of the people who think about me in a negative light, all the people who judge you, all the people that have wronged you. And uh, yeah, it's a never ending um, list of uh Enemies. You, you could have a pretty long enemies list if you allowed yourself to. But I'm here to tell you none of those people matter. You know, once you start to really understand the bigness of this planet, the bigness of the world and this, the, this small amount of time, this short time we have on this earth, you start putting things into perspective. You start realizing that life is just entirely too short to be thinking these small, childish, petty thoughts, frankly. So you you drop this idea that you have to get back at everybody. You drop this notion that, um, that those who have wronged you are your sworn enemy. They might be jerks. They might be assholes. But they're not necessarily your enemy. And the way that, you know, I think back on uh, just a couple of weeks ago, those girls that wronged us on Facebook... But because they don't know me in real life, they've never met me in real life, they have never been around Rebecca and I in, in person, how can they possibly know us or judge us, you know? So I, do I think that they're angry, spiteful, petty, naive girls? Yeah, I do. But I don't hate them. I simply let them go. Energetically, sometimes you just have to let people fall, fall off the face of this earth. There are are just too many people, you guys, on this planet to worry about a handful of people. You know, at the end of the day, there's 8 billion people on this planet. You don't have to get caught up on a handful who have wronged you. And you might think to yourself, well, you know, all my experiences, jobs are bad. People are bad. Drama, drama, drama. What is up with people? Why does everybody suck? And yeah, you can get to the point where you start to realize that, yes, People suck. (laughs) Welcome to the party. I've known it for years. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that all people suck. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it just helps to appreciate the good ones, to appreciate the good things in your life, to stop fixating on all the people who have hurt you, and to really start appreciating that some people are just trying to live their lives without ego, without pretense, You know, there are a handful, albeit small, but there are people in this world just trying to get by, you guys, and we should take some kind of comfort in that. Take comfort in the fact that there's a lot of people in the world that are just like you, just good, regular, working class, struggling folk who are just trying to be validated and accepted for who they are, 
who are just trying to make the most of a bad situation. Those are the people that I care about, and those are the people who, that I represent and for, and for whom I'm trying to help. You know, I um, talk about my grandfather a lot as being my Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's my conscience and guide, my grandparents, both of them. Uh, they're the ones that taught me right from wrong. Uh, they're the ones who taught me how to uh, pay my dues. They're the ones who taught me uh, how to forget about bad people, drop the bad friends off at the corner, and never look back, and never give them the fucking satisfaction of knowing that you're aching over them. Don't let other people know that they are living rent-free in your head. As my grandfather uh, got older, he just started becoming a creature of creature comforts. He just wanted his comforts. He didn't want the drama. He didn't want to talk politics. He didn't want to talk about the world going to shit or smog or air pollution. He didn't want to talk about any of that shit. He wanted to do his crossword puzzles and eat food and just relax. You know, he'd worked for 40 years, 45 years, and he just wanted a little bit of quiet, peace and quiet and peace of mind, you know? And as you get older, you start to realize the utility in that. So while, yes, there are times when I go on social media and I just think people have become ridiculous, unhinged, you know, we talk, there's a song from the 80s called Lunatic Fringe. There's a lot of lunatic fringe people out there, people who just are radicalized by everything, whether it be political or socioeconomically. Um, those people are always going to be upset over something. And um, a lot of times they're just not going to be happy. And a lot of times they're going to come off crazy. They're going to come off unhinged because they can't get the, their minds right, you know? And so when I talk about the woke culture, I am not saying that there's no such thing as good woke people. I'm just saying that a lot of times uh, woke culture can go too far. And when it does, it's no better or worse than the extremists on the right. So what I'm learning about life as a 48-year-old male, I've learned that uh, a lot of people judge you for how you look and not for who you are, what's in your heart. A lot of people will hate you for being a man. A lot of people will hate you for being white. And a lot of people will hate you for your political identification. So if you're liberal, guess what? Half the country hates you. If you're conservative, guess what? Half the country hates you. <laughs> if you're a man, there's going to be, I don't know, a third of all women in the world who are going to hate you because you're a man, because they feel like men these days are becoming creeps, whether it be political creeps or simply sexual perverts. <laughs> I think a lot of women need to protect themselves from men, and they, um, in, in an effort to empower themselves, they, um, they've lost sight of good-hearted people, good men who are just trying to make the world a better place, you know, and they don't oftentimes, because their heart is corrupted. They don't see the good in others. So just be careful of those who've been radicalized because they're trying to salvage their own hearts. They're trying to save themselves. They're vulnerable. You know, a lot of people have been hurt really bad in this world. And uh, they go to extremes to um, try to protect themselves and protect their heart. And so while it can get easy to hate people who hate you, um, it's much harder to love people who just don't know you. 
And so these women, you know, the ones that talked a bunch of trash to us a few weeks ago, um, do I like them? No. They have a lot of growing to do, a lot of growing up to do. But I don't hate them. I don't hate them as people. I hate the actions. I hate the lack of integrity. And I hate the fact that anybody who's never met me in real life would have the audacity to think like they know what's in my heart, to know what's in my heart and heart of hearts. How can you possibly know what kind of person I am if you've never hung out with me? And so what I would leave you with is this. If you want to be a happy, calm, happy-go-lucky person that has humor in their life, uh, you have to learn to get in touch with your sense of humor and with your center and calm, which means you have to let go of all the things that have hurt you. You have to let go of all those people who aren't good for you. And you have to build an energy bubble around yourself, a protective cocoon, if you will, of goodness, of kindness, but of realness. So when I talk about being crusty but kind, yes, I have a part of me that's a little bit, you know, standoffish. I've been hurt a lot, you know. You know, I'm a former soldier. I'm a crusty old bird. I'm a crusty motherfucker, you know. Um, I've had to learn to get tough in this world, to grow a thicker skin. Uh, but beyond that, I've made sure not to let that be the totality of who I am. My wife is one of the lucky few who gets to see me at my silliest. And I'm a pretty silly guy. (laughs) And so what I'm learning is that once you're comfortable around the right people, you can express yourself as a silly heart. Be funny. Be silly. Be goofy. Be, you know, dance like nobody's watching. Um, And don't be afraid of the haters Don't be afraid of the cynics. Don't be afraid of the judges. We're filling up in this society full of petty, immature people. Sorry, but that's what the truth is. And it can be easy living in a petty, silly, ridiculous, immature society to just assume that, you know what, very few people have enough honor and integrity to be worthy of my fucking time. Um, And that's why I live my life small. But... I never get so cynical that I close the door entirely to my heart. At the beginning, I was telling you that a lot of people, they close off their hearts. They, they, they want to remove as much of their vulnerabilities as they can so that nobody can exploit them. Because that's what a lot of sociopaths and predators do is they're looking for an entryway into understanding you so that they can exploit that so they can take advantage of that so they can use it against you to find a way to have an upper hand over you so at the end of the day you have to learn who your friends are and who your friends are not you have to learn to take inventory of your life and to clean it up you know there's an old saying Soundgarden, clean it up with a dirty feel all right <laughs> it just means um you know, we can have a little bit of that dirty feel without actually being immoral. Uh, we all want to be, we all want to pass as cats, as they say, you know, that's an old Counting Crow song. We all want to pass as cats, but, you know, 
at the end of the day, um, we're, we're scared shitless that somebody might find out that we're nerdy or find out that we're awkward or find out that we like something that isn't cool to like uh, our guilty pleasures. You know, I've always been the kind of person to just embrace my weirdness, to embrace my uniqueness and to embrace my sense of humor and to embrace my mental imperfections. At the end of the day, we are all biological organisms that are absolutely by our very nature going to succumb to the occasional software glitch, if you will. So we have to accept that mental health is not a destination. It is a constant journey of perfecting in order to find the balance of all the things that make up our life to where we feel a sense of joy and pride in who we are and what we're doing. You know, at the end of the day, I've told you that I have depression and anxiety. Uh, I've told you that some days it gets really dark for me, especially in the winter, especially when um, friends don't come around as often as I would like, and especially when um, maybe I'm struggling in my career or I'm struggling in my job. At the end of the day, it gets very easy to get a defeatist attitude in this world in the configuration that it is currently in. So don't beat yourself up if you happen to have a little bit of a guarded heart or if you happen to be a little bit cynical. I think we've all grown cynical to some extent, and that's normal. And don't apologize for having to toughen your hide, if you will, to thicken your skin uh, in order to not be hurt by uh, those that seek to exploit you. There is always going to be in society those people that psychically attack us, that are always looking for an opportunity to befriend us and then to turn on us uh, when things don't go their way. Uh, I don't know why they exist, but they're out there and we have to guard our hearts from sociopathic predators. But realize the vast majority of people, even those sociopaths who aren't good for us, um, they aren't necessarily psycho killers. They're not necessarily trying to destroy us. They're just confused. They can see everything else out in their eyes with 20-20 clarity, but they have no ability to see themselves. And so oftentimes these people can be sociopaths and bad for us, even though they claim to be empaths or even though they claim to be good people, a lot of times they don't see the inner machinations of their own problematic, you know, qualities. They, they're, they're bad people, but they don't even fucking know it. And so we have to be careful of those people who are disguised as Christians or disguised as empaths or disguised as kind, charming coworkers. At the end of the day, you can tell a sociopath from a regular person because they don't see people as people. They see people as obstacles or as objects. I've talked to you guys about dark empaths. What that is is having the same abilities to feel other people's motives and feelings, uh, but just not caring enough to, to be empath empathetic of that, if you know what I mean. I've done entire episodes on the Dark Triad. In fact, the Dark Triad is my most popular episode. And what I tell you guys is that uh, there's a handful of people in this world who have what's called the Dark Triad set of traits. 
So that means that there, there are three traits that these people exhibit in some degree, if not all of them, that you have to look out for. So here, just if you don't remember, the dark triad of personality consists of narcissism, entitled self-importance, Machiavellianism, strategic exploitation and deceit, and psychopathy, or callousness and cynicism. The article I'm reading here on the subject says, we are all at least a little bit narcissistic, Machiavellian, and psychopathic. It says here, while each of the members of the dark triad has unique features and correlates, there is enough overlap among these socially aversive traits that uh, Paul Huss, the person who coined the phrase uh, dark triad, has argued that they should be studied in concert. And what what he's saying here is that, indeed, there does appear to be a quote-unquote dark core to their personality. And so this article goes into the differences between the dark triad and the light triad, as if to say that at the root of all people, they are either a dark or light force in the world. And you, that doesn't mean that you necessarily are dark or you're a part of the dark triad just because you think dark thoughts. That's not what it's about. It's about how you feel about people. It's about how you use or take advantage of people and uh, whether or not you act on these beliefs in people in a way where you use or exploit or somehow hurt other people. So being cynical in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean you're a psychopath. What it means is is that if you naturally feel like you can hurt others because you know they're going to eventually hurt you, you may be a part of the dark triad and not even know it. Conversely, you could be like, they use the example here of Anne Frank, She was mistreated and mishandled in a way that I don't think anybody nowadays could could, uh, possibly be more mishandled than poor Anne Frank. But despite this, she still believes in the best in humanity. She still believes in a general sense that people are inherently good. You know, and it gets very, very in the weeds here about what separates the light triad from the dark triad. But what it boils down to, you guys, is having dark thoughts doesn't necessarily mean that you're a part of the dark triad, and having good thoughts doesn't necessarily mean you're a part of the light triad. What it means is that we all have a tendency to dip in both arenas, and um, sometimes some people just seem to weigh more in the dark than the light, and some people tend to weigh more in the light than the dark. It, It really depends on whether or not you uh, use people and objectify them or uh, criticize them or judge them or hurt them in ways, even though they haven't hurt you. Um, That is where we start to understand psychopathy and borderline personality disorder and using people in such a way where they're treated more as objects than as people. Because at the end of the day, if you're so jaded, if you're so cynical that you only think people are here to destroy you, you will preemptively preemptively hurt others just to protect yourself. And in that regard, that could possibly demonstrate a dark triad set of traits. 
And then it says here, uh, what about the contrasting profiles of the light and dark triad? We found that the dark triad was positively correlated with being younger, being male, being motivated by sex, power, achievement, and affiliation, but not intimacy, and having self-enhancement values, immature defense styles, conspicuous consumption, selfish, and viewing their creative work and religious immortality as roots to death transcendence. So I think what they're saying there is just having a sense that you're more important or more special or more valued uh, in this world than others, or uh, that you think that God values you more than God values other people. So at the end of the day, I mean, there's proof right there that in some circumstances, you can be a good Christian or call yourself a Christian and uh, you're actually um, doing more harm than good because you have those dark triad set of traits that uh, no matter how you think, you are doing it not for others or to better your life or to better the world for the positive, you're doing it for your own selfish needs or this, this sense of feeling superior or better than other people. But anyways, without getting into this article, because I'm going to do an episode of about the dark triad versus the light triad, I will do an episode on that in greater detail. But at the end of the day, what I'm talking about is this. Some people are just rotten to the core and they can't help it. You know, uh, they start off, you know, just down and dirty. And uh, I always knew that I was a part of the light triad. I always knew, even at a very young age, that I was meant to be an agent of good, that I was meant to be one of the good guys, you know? But that doesn't mean that I don't see my own ability to do wrong, to see that uh, uh, we all can become morally wayward if we're not careful. You know, because you can be a good person without being a saint or having goody-two-shoe sensibilities. And conversely, you can have goody-two-shoe sensibilities and still be a part of that dark triad. So don't necessarily be fooled by the front, the image that people are giving you. Because at the end of the day, a lot of times they're just trying to hide that part of them that they know. Uh, if you knew, uh, you you know, that's how people you let bad people in is that they don't they don't even always know that they're a part of the dark triad. They don't always know that they're a sociopath. Uh, we don't often see ourselves as sociopaths or empaths. A lot of times we just see ourselves as ourselves. And a lot of times we'll justify any shitty behavior because we think it's in our own best interest. But at the end of the day, a lot of times those bad behaviors, we see it in others, but we don't necessarily see it in ourselves. And that's why, you know, judging people as good or bad is uh, not easy to do. But uh, as an empath, you start picking up on motives and you start picking up on energy. And those energies will oftentimes tell you people's motivations or people's uh, what's in their heart or what's not in their heart. But yeah, that's about what I have for you today, you guys. Um, what it boils down to, ladies and gentlemen, is that mental health, life, being an empath, being a sensitive, there is no one way to do it. There is no wrong answers here. 
But if you want to maximize the quality of your own life, you have to maximize the quality of your life. You have to maximize the quality of your thoughts and what you put in your life, garbage in, garbage out. And you have to maximize your time on this earth. you got to spend your time wisely. And all that means is, you know, if you know you could do something to better yourself in your downtime, do it. If you're tired and need to take a nap, that's okay too. Sometimes just getting the rest you need is a great way of catching up biologically. You got to take care of your physiology before you can then take care of your psychology. So don't tell people that, you know, you have to constantly be going, 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 or don't don't succumb to these thoughts that you have to constantly be exerting yourself in order to be uh, motivated. We all have a period of exertion and we all have a period of recovery. So when you know yourself and you know your body and you know what you need in this life, you can then start taking better care of yourself. You know, it's kind of like I was talking about Jeffrey Dahmer on a previous episode, just using him as an example of what happens when we let uh, our um, fantasy life get away from us. At the end of the day, I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong about his fantasy world at first. We all have sexual fantasies. We all have fantasies of doing something with our life or wanting to be with a certain person, etc. Where he crossed the line is where he acted upon those fantasies without regard for other human life. And then worse than that, he allowed that practice. When he got more proficient at fucking people over, essentially, he became a better predator. He became a better hunter. He became, in essence, a trained killer. And with practice, anybody can get better at anything. They lose their fear. They lose their ability to get nervous. And they get better at lying to people. They get better at hiding the truth. So at the end of the day, all I'm trying to say is, is that if you want a good life, a robust life, be a good person, do the right things, but put in the work. Put in the work in your fitness, put in the work in your emotions and your spirituality. That doesn't mean we have to be religious. It just means that understand we all are seeking something deeper than transactional living and to adhere to that. We cannot deny that we all as people crave some form of deeper understanding of ourselves of this world and our relationship with ourselves in this universe. But the biggest one I have to tell you is that you have to accept that life is imperfect, that you are imperfect and that you are inherently flawed, that life is going to be inherently messy and we cannot get around that, which means that we have to develop a really strong sense of humor to get through life because it is so fucking crazy. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Life is nuts, you guys. So we have to get a little nuts. You know, it's kind of like that old seal song. You're never going to survive unless we get a little crazy. Sorry about that. I didn't want to sing it. You know, I don't mean to sing in your ear, but um, but there's a 
utility to that, to, to understand that life is inherently crazy, that we're inherently crazy. And so therefore, uh, we have to keep our guard up. But at the same time, we don't have to uh, be so closed up that we don't let the right ones in. That's what it's about. Letting the letting our good nature, letting our sense of humor, letting our sense of calm and letting our sense of goodness and decency sort of pave the way for the people that we allow in our life. Anyways, that's what I have, you guys. Um, life is hard. Being human is not easy. You have to reset the board all the time. Um, and always, you know, reflect, reflect on yourself, reflect on where you're going, reflect on where, oh, wow, I, I was supposed to be way over there by now and I'm over here instead. Is that okay? Assess, assess where you're at, assess where you want to be. Um, so you may find that you aren't where you need to be. Then again, you may find that your set of values, your set of what you want and need in life has changed. As you get older, you just sort of become a little more okay with wherever you happen to be. Not everybody has to be a power lawyer or have a power career in order to be happy. Not everybody has to attain a higher level of education necessarily to be happy, but you might be the kind of person that does. So assess who you want to be, assess where you are, and assess your friendships and uh, set up boundaries with those that you feel like you need to and cut out the dead weight for those who aren't good for you but at the end of the day what it boils down to ladies and gentlemen is that without stopping every once in a while to assess where we're at to assess who we are to assess what life is at a elemental level uh we we can't analyze the pieces in order to gain perspective and so the only way you're going to get better with your mental health, better in, with your friendships, better in your personality, better in your sense of peace and calm and joy is to assess and reflect and take the necessary time you need to reflect and to center and to relax and recuperate. Sometimes if you're in a constant state of exertion, you just never have the time to recover your body, your mind, your psychological makeup needs time to recover, to relax, to sleep, to sleep it off. And as cheesy and corny as it sounds, you know, they say, you know, you are what you eat. Um, eh, within reason, you can have pizza once a week. You can eat, drink a soda now and then. You, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's about moderation and um, life it's just more happy when you think more about balance and that moderation. Assess the friends that aren't good for you. Get rid of the ones that are bad for you. Assess your own life. Assess your direction. Assess your values. You might just find that, hey, you know, I'm not on the moral up and up. I want to be better than that. I can do better than this and then change. But very few people have the maturity or presence of mind to understand when they're in the wrong. They don't always understand how to reflect and how to understand that they might be the bad guy in a situation. Being upset, being frustrated doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. But if you're constantly yelling at people, then yeah, you might be in the wrong. 
But like I said, life is challenging. Life is visceral. And all that means is that life, you know, is is one part intelligence, one part horse sense, and one part gut feeling. We have a tendency to follow our gut more often than we follow logic or reason because we think our gut knows best. And it's a good idea to listen to that gut from time to time. Sometimes it's telling you when a person's bad for you. Other times it might just be guarding a hurt and damaged heart. But whatever you do, you guys, learn to laugh. Learn to appreciate the sunshine. Learn to appreciate the birds chirping. Learn to appreciate just breathing on this given day. At the end of the day, life is short. And um, you shouldn't be thinking about death all the time. We, we all get there. We all go there. It's easy to go there and get dark and get deep about it. And we're always worried about everything. But at the end of the day, I mean, we are just meat puppets, meat bags of anxiety. (laughs) At the end of the day, that's a hard thing to sometimes get out of the habit of letting our fears and worries take over. So if you can, ladies and gentlemen, learn to let go of all that worry. Um, But um, at the same time, don't let your guard down too much. It just means uh, don't be ruled by your vulnerability, and your worries. Um, Take precautions, take actions, and uh, start moving your life where you know deep down where it needs to be. Your gut will tell you what's right and what's wrong. And at the end of the day, if something feels off, don't go there. It's not for you. You know, uh, on the previous episode, I was talking about my friends and friendships. Uh, There's nothing wrong with the friends I have up here. I care about them deeply, but sometimes, you know, the one thing I forgot to tell you is this. When anything feels forced, let it go. It doesn't mean that you don't care about that thing or that person. But if it feels like a chore, if it feels like a job, if it feels too hard to keep up with, uh, perhaps you can assess that it's not right for you. At the end of the day, I care about my friends, but I also care about my peace of mind. I also care about protecting my wounded heart. I also care about time management. And so at the end of the day, yes, I care about the friends I have here. And I let them know that. But at the end of the day, if they can't tell by now that I love them in spirit, uh, they may one day turn on me. But at the end of the day, the point is this. The friendships that are your fair weather friends that you only see from time to time, They might mean something symbolically valuable to you, but if there's friendships that you have that you just keep around and you're, and it feels like a lot of work and a lot of hardship, or you're having some weird feelings about it, chances are it's more work than it's worth. And you need to drop it off at the, at the, at the pool, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, friendships that, that cause you heartache all the time, friendships that are just too much work for their merit. You got to let go of those things. It doesn't mean that you hate them. It's like Tupac once said, just because you lost me as a friend doesn't mean you gained me as an enemy. I'm bigger than that. I still want to see you eat, just not at my table. He also said that the realest people don't have a lot of friends. And the reason that is, ladies and gentlemen, is that when you keep your life small, when you 
stick up for yourself, when you keep things down and grounded and real and genuine, uh, you will offend a lot of people who seek to take advantage of you. So my best advice, you guys, is to be a silly heart as often as you can, to be trusting as often as you can. But at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with keeping your life small because for us empaths, especially us real people or genuine people that don't care about all the bullshit in life, we don't need a lot of people around because at the end of the day, um, we see things for how they really are. And oftentimes people get offended that we don't want to be subjected and surrounded by all that chaotic energy. We don't want to be subjected to their game playing. We don't want to be surrounded by all of their immature antics. I am such a silly heart with my wife. I can be so ridiculous. I say things, I talk in silly voices. I do all kinds of craziness. And uh, I, I tell her, you know, I'm, I'm the most immature, mature person you'll ever meet. Or I'm the most immature, mature person you'll ever meet. Because at the end of the day, you got to be a silly heart, man. You really do. You ain't getting out of this shit alive, ladies and gentlemen. So my recommendation is to enjoy this life, for better or for worse, as much as you can. Thank you guys so very much. We'll see you next time. Uh, if you want to help us out, if you like the work we're doing, come on over to our link tree. That's linktree.com forward slash chef comedy. Everything is there, including our Patreon, including our tip jars. We could use your help. We're trying to get sponsors right now, and we're just trying to slowly grow and be a resource for empaths and for the good mental health and robust living of regular working people, regular folks. That's who we represent. That's who we care about because that's who we are. Thank you guys so much. We love you. One more time. We'll be back this week, you guys. Thanks for being a friend. We'll see you next time.